Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Alejandra, welcome to the Wine and Chisme podcast. How are you today? Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing amazing. How are you? How are you guys? Oh my gosh. I am, you know what? I am doing really, really well. I'm not going to lie. I had a moment a couple of weeks ago. And by the time this comes out, it'll probably be like a month ago that I just felt like the world was kind of crashing down around me. And You know, when you try to be so positive, like you don't let the negative come in. And I felt like I was trying to be like that so badly that I wasn't allowing myself to feel the bad things. And so it was preventing me from actually having the breakdown in order to have the breakthrough. So I had the breakdown. (laughs) I really had a breakdown. But literally, as soon as I had the breakdown, the breakthrough was almost instantaneous. That's how I've been. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. And you know what? It's funny. We are both wearing red right now. We are. Red is a sign of confidence, is when we use it intentionally, it brings us back to, okay, I'm here now. I'm safe. This is how I can show up. So I love that. I'm like, okay, I need to wear red today because I've been having the same kind of things going on before, like uh, the last couple of weeks. But yeah, I love that you you say that once you allow yourself to feel, to feel the feelings, then you move forward. That's important, and uh, you will see why with with the finance that we're uh, finance oh that we're gonna. Have. Well, I can't wait to get into all of the <laughs> money cheese men, the finance cheese men. But before we get into the cheese men, everybody knows we start with the wine. So, Alejandra, what are you drinking today? So I'm drinking white wine. I'm not a very white wine person. I'm more of a red wine. But today I decided to go for my New Zealand wine. And I'm I'm sure. Yes. Sauvignon Blanc. It's called Matua. And it has a very close meaning to me because I used to live in New Zealand before COVID started. Oh my gosh. Well, I want to hear all about that. Yes. So I'm like, let me just bring some memories back here. (laughs) That's so cool. So I am not much of a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc fan because they're very grapefruit forward and I hate grapefruit. 
So that's all I can taste. Like all I can taste is a grapefruit knowing. But if you're somebody who is who really doesn't care or who likes grapefruit, New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs will be right up your alley. So I love that for you. I am drinking RGNY, a 2018 white Merlot. So if you look at it, it's kind of this goldeny yes. color. And RGNY, they're the only Latine-owned winery in New York. They're actually in Long Island. The Rivero Gonzalez, they're a big winery in Mexico. And then they decided to purchase this winery called Martha Clara. And so it's no longer Martha Clara Vineyards. It's RGNY. So we had a wine tasting with them in um, November. And so it's really exciting to try these different wines because I, prior to this wine tasting, had never tasted a white Merlot. And what they do is they just don't, they press, when they press it, they just press it with, without the skin. So it's still that red wine, but you're not getting the tannins that you would get with a a normal Merlot. It changes how the wine feels in your mouth. It definitely changes all of that. So it's very, very cool. I always suggest try different things, right? Because you never know. And you excited me. I was like, wait, 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 don't say anything because you've tried different wines because of the podcast. Yes, yes, I did. So I'm, I'm more like because and also I live in Spain so because of I live in Spain I'm I'm always going for La Rioja or the safe wines right I mean that's it that was for me and then I listened to one of your episodes and you mentioned one brand that I don't remember the name but it was from California it was a Latino owned brand I'm like I need to try that one so I bought it last year that was last year and I gave it like as a gift to somebody else I was like this wine is good I'm like yeah, I just discovered it because of a podcast. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Oh my gosh, seriously. I'm, I love hearing stuff like that because, you know, obviously by just sharing stories, it's really about talking, you know, and highlighting different wines to get people to try. And it's not all about the wine, right? It's only usually the first few minutes of the of the podcast. But if that can make a difference, yeah, talking about it and sharing about it, that makes me so happy. Aww. Thank you. You just made my day. <laughs> well, salud, Alejandra. Salud. There's my there's my penny sound effect. Mm, this one is very like it smells very green. It smells very like it also it also has like apricot mm. smell and taste to it. It's really good. I think I'd have to be in the mood for it. It's not something, but I just wanted something kind of light today, so. Well, let me read your bio, Alejandra, because I can't wait to get into the chisme with you. Uh, Alejandra, I can't speak all of a sudden. I have one (laughs) sip of wine and I'm like... (laughs) Alejandra Rojas is a financial professional and money coach helping modern millennials to be confident with money and create a strong financial foundation with ease. After reaching bottom... When a money burnout reactivated an old sickness threatening her life again, Alejandra designed a method to manage personal finances from within that protects the person's essence and helps them create wealth. She has since been dedicated to helping others see money in a whole different way. So it's no longer a barrier to thrive and reach happiness through her coaching, podcast, and various public speaking events. Wow. We're going to get into all of that. Yeah, Because I think it's really important because money can put stress 
so much stress on people. Literally, that's one of the things that I was going through was a very big financial, you know, financial thing as well. Because if you don't feel secure in your finances, that affects everything else. So I'm very, very excited to, to talk to you about these things and get your get your opinions and everybody. Has, and let's just, I want to just say, everybody needs to find what works for them. So you might listen to this podcast and be like, you know what? I already have my own thing. It's working really well. Or you might say, you know what? There's something I can absorb from this. Or you might say, I have an epiphany and yes, this is everything. So, right. We just, I just want to go into the, into the episode, really kind of being very aware that everybody has to find what works for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is what literally the basis of personal finances is, is that it's about the person. It's about what works for you. It's not about what works for your sister, la mama or el primo, the neighbor. It's about what makes you feel comfortable being yourself so you can show up and be good with money. Yes. Well, tell me about like how you grew up and where you grew up and the people surrounding you, because I think that sets the foundation, right? In regards to how we view the world, how we view money, how we view having that scarcity mindset. So can you just kind of give us a general idea of how you grew up and where you, and the, and the types of people that you're around and everything? Yeah. So I grew up in Colombia. I'm from Colombia, from Cali. And you know, it was just a modest household. I'm the youngest from four um, siblings, my parents, both accountants. So it's really like the money topic is there. But it was just a very, quote unquote, normal childhood until I was six years old because I was scared of dogs. At that time, I was coming back from from my school and a dog was chasing me and I was looking back to like to pay attention to the dog and I hit a light pole on my face. So oh no. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember that's like that's the beautiful things about your brain. Like I remember feeling scared for the dog and just seeing that light pole hitting me. And you know, I was a kid, I was like, I cried until I fell asleep. And when I woke up, yeah, I'm going. Okay, I need to ask you a question. Yes. So did you stop running after you hit the light? Like, did it just no? Did- no. <laughs> so I was going uh, with the person that took care of us because both of my parents always work full time. So it was always a person there, and she just had to pick me up <laughs> and just continue with me. We were like what a block away from the house. Oh my gosh! So. Yeah, I arrived home. He's like, okay, right. pobre, pobre, está bien, eso going to be okay. Mente cargo, yeah, vámonos, vámonos. Like, it wasn't a big deal, right? Like, it was a hit, whatever. But I fell asleep. When I woke up, what I can remember is my mom waking me up, and I see this face of, what the hell happened? And I told her, well, I fell asleep, and blah, blah, blah. My whole face was completely purple the whole face and that was what opened the door for you know getting to know that I had an immune system sickness when I was six years old and it was just you're actually grateful for running from that dog I know that and I love dogs now you cannot imagine how 
much I love a dog and a cat in my life. But that moment really got stuck in my head. And for the longest time, I couldn't get around to a dog because I was like, because of you, I was sick and blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> so really grow up most of from six years old until I was 12, almost 14 years old. I had a change. I grew up being from my school to the doctors taking blood tests because they couldn't figure out what sickness was it, what health condition was that. And I was being like, you know, el conejillo de Indias, going to different doctors in Colombia. I remember that at some point my life became just going to study because my parents wanted me to have a normal life. I mean, they didn't want wanted me to feel sick. My dad is really into the nature things. And he was like, we will do whatever the doctor says. But my mom was like, just let her live her life. She can run. She can just be careful, whatever. But, you know, from the day to day, I felt that I couldn't do anything else but just follow whatever my parents will tell me, which is go to school, come back, go to the doctor, take the test and blah, blah, blah. And fast forward when I was 14, that's everything that I knew. We didn't miss anything at home, thank God, because I, I really appreciate all of the effort my parents put into it. But money was tied because my treatments were hell of expensive. It was like not going into the capital because Cali is not the capital in Colombia. It's Bogota going to into the capital, flying into Bogota every weekend to have the treatments was just a lot. <laughs> wow, you had to do that every single weekend fly that how like yes. how far is that? If you take a flight, it's like around 45 minutes, but by bus is eight hours by bus. So wow. the first years we were okay, like, you know, but then I started, mind you, nobody told me this. This is what I can remember and what I can recall and what I had to heal within myself is that I remember that the first years we will fly to Bogota and it was like, oh yes, we're going Bogota and blah, blah, blah. After that, we started going by bus. So eight hours by bus and okay, why we are not flying anymore? What's happening? Why we have to, you know, change some things around the house, but nobody tells you anything, but you still picked up the things that you see. And yeah, I mean, just because you're a child, I think that's one thing, like just because you're a kid or just because you're young doesn't mean that you're not picking up. Like, obviously mm -hmm. that's a huge shift and being able to fly every week. And then all of a sudden having to take like an eight hour bus ride, that is a really huge difference that obviously a child is going to notice and wonder why. Exactly. But what really, I really appreciate that my parents did at some point is that I was being just, again, like from doctor to an, uh, another doctor. And they just stop and say, you know what, from now on, you are okay. You don't have any sickness. You go on to your life and whatever happens, happens after, like you are healthy in your mind. And we started to go down the path. 
the power of my mind, how faith, because we grew up in a Catholic household, how faith for my parents, but also how I could heal myself. I could help all the medicine that was getting into my body to get to the point of going into the test and seeing the results that they were expecting. But also I could dream for something else because the doctors told my parents, like, just enjoy it until it lasts because it's not going to last <laughs> much time. Like enjoy your health or enjoy your life? Enjoy my life. Like they told to my parents, enjoy her until it lasts because we cannot figure out what's going on. Oh my God. You know, one of the questions I had, and I guess this just kind of really goes into that, is when you're a child and you dream of things, what is it that you dream of? What is it that you want for your life? I would imagine being told something like that, you would just be like, I just want to live. Did you have, like, did you have dreams beyond life when you're being told that? Or are you just like, I just want to live or do you're like, no, I'm going to live and I'm going to do this. And I want to do this. Like, cause you're young, you're still a kid. How does that affect your mindset? I wasn't told directly by the doctors. The doctors told my parents. I could just remember their faces, their, you know, the expressions. And that's the point that they were very pushing into. You are allowed to dream. And actually, I had a dream book. You go and do whatever you want. What is it that you don't like from this house? Because I remember I didn't like the house that we were living in. For the life of me, that house was cold as hell. I didn't like it. I'm like, I want a new house. So the whole thing was like, oh, let's dream about the house and let's draw it and do things that really bring life back to me. Because to be honest, after all those doctors, you only have time to rest, study and come back, right? So That is something that I have to applaud from my parents, because if I didn't have that on my life before, I wouldn't be standing on the point that I'm right now. I will still be the victim of my sickness. Why this happened to me? Why I had to gain all the weight that I gained? I mean, from six months to another one, because I was, they were getting, getting me, how do you call that? Um, Steroids. That's Mm -hmm. the way they were treating it. I just completely overweight for a kid of eight years old. And the bully that you have to suffer at school, and especially on our countries, being overweight is like for a kid. So all of that really were not part of my life because they encouraged me to dream. They were encouraging me every single day. What happened with your dreams book? What are you doing? And all that. I'm funny enough that the first house that my parents bought after get like after all this sickness happens, I think it was when I was eight years old, something like that. It was exactly the same as I was drawing it on my books. Nice. Look at yeah. Testing that house for you. I know. I'm a huge manifest. I, I really, since I'm little one, I had to learn how to really get into, like, look within myself. Why well, don't you? I think kids innately are manifestors. They're like, no, yes. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen because there's nobody telling them 
that they can't, right? And as soon as we're told that we can't, that's what changes, that's what shifts our mind to start Mm -hmm. doubting ourselves. Because when you're a kid, you're fearless. You just do things. Oh, it's okay. I'll be fine. You don't, or you just don't even think about it because you're just having fun and you're just dreaming and being, you're living life big when you're a child. Yeah. Right. Until people start telling us, no, no, no. And then we start that, oh, I guess I can't, or I get, so I love that your parents are like dream, dream. I think that's something that we need to tell all of the kids in our life more often and tell our teenagers and tell ourselves and tell adults dream, dream, dream big, because it's never too late to dream big. I love that. At what point, because obviously there was a shift in finances during that time, you know, from riding a plane to taking an eight hour bus ride. Did you ever hear your parents? I mean, especially with your parents being accountants, you would think money's probably talked about a lot, but was was money really, but especially within the Latino community, money's also like never talked about, right? Yeah. So how did you start perceiving or when did you figure out things weren't the same? And did you ever, did your parents ever talk to you? And do you have siblings? And do they talk to you and sus hermanos at all or no? This is the thing with money. Either you talk about it or not, you are gaining some knowledge about it, right? Like I said, both of my parents are accountants and I'm, I'm always being fascinated about finances. And I was the type of person that preferred to stay at home playing with invoices because, you know, they will have the invoices. I say, okay, I do this, I do that and put stamps and uh, like administrative work rather than go out and play with the kids. So <laughs> I'm like, you're like, I'd rather be in here doing paperwork. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. And oh God, it's so funny because I will have all the old invoices and whatever, but money was not discussed, but they educate, they did educate me about it. So once you start having money, this is what you do. What money is? Money is a, a tool that will allow you to do this transaction. And what it was most important is that I started to put myself out there to earn my own money when I was 14. Actually, I bought my first cell phone because I used to sell candies at the school and all that. And so I would save money. And my mom was like, well, you want a cell phone? Then you got your savings, right? Is that what you want? Yes, I want a cell phone because I'm 14 <laughs> or whatever. Um, so all the work, it, it was really that mindset on how you should be managing your money at a young age. But it was never discussed as a family. It was never discussed as, okay, this is happening or we have or we don't have things. Yeah. I remember like growing up, we used to think, just write a check. Like, you know, like we would tell my mom, yeah. just write, my mom's like, we don't have money. Just write a check. What are you talking about? You have money, you have checks. That means money, right? Like not comprehending what, no, you need money in the checking account. Yeah. To write a check type of thing. And you, and you learn, like, I think even just watching your parents' spending habits, you start getting that mindset, right? Of being responsible for money or not. Then I think that kids get that sense. You've obviously had a very responsible mindset from the beginning in regard. Like, I, I feel like I had a little bit of both. 
right? Because we, I had to do a lot of fundraising. I played softball and I was a cheerleader in high school and every, like from like elementary school to high school. So I did a lot of fundraising because doing sports is expensive and it's not cheap. So how do we do it? We, and we fundraised and we found ways to, to pay for all of those things. So in that aspect, I was very good at that. Yeah. But then on the other aspect, I wasn't somebody who saved my money. <laughs> I let it burn a hole in my pocket. I want this. I want this. Let's do it. You know, I wasn't somebody who, who was very responsible at a young age. I've, you know, with money and I've had to change my relationship with money and change how I think about money, knowing those things and going into school. I, it's I'm just like seriously just kind of stuck on the fact that you just you're just trying to dream because you want to live right you're you know and and having your parents like say dream dream big and one of the things I also want to touch on is you know mindset on healing because you were saying like when the doctors were saying like think of good you know the bad to be positive and to you know because if you go in and my mom is currently you know going through treatments for breast cancer and everything. And if she had a really bad attitude, she wouldn't be healing the way she is. And I think that whole mind over matter is so, so important because if we don't, if we have a mindset of sickness and of scarcity and out of all these things, like you're, it's a way of manifesting, right? And you're going to manifest being sick. You're going to manifest the scarcity. You're going to manifest all these things. When you finally realized, at what point did you go into remission? From did you wait? First of all, do you know what you have now? Were they able to finally diagnose? Yeah. So after all that, it's called ITP, immune thrombocytopenia. I don't know the English term is like uh, purpura thrombocytopenia. In English, is ITP, and Basically, your platelets are very low. And I was managing like 4,000 platelets. Like doctors will look at me like, how in the world are you still living with 4,000 platelets? So, um, but that, what you said is, it's it's really it. It's the attitude towards um, your body. Your body's trying to tell you something. Your body is really trying to speak for you and that that was my turning point as well when I grew up so I went to school I started finances I did all these things that I dream about when I was a kid but I got trapped into the oh now you should be an adult you should do this you should do that and yes I was having the quote-unquote successful life for a person that it was just a recent graduated she found this amazing job in finances and all these things but I forgot about me and then like that I started to see the the health condition coming back because uh, what happens with ITP is that you see the purple spots in your in your body like just like when I hit myself with the light pole so I started to see that and I fainted my way to work. I have never fainted in my life. Are you even, serious? Yes. No. I'm looking up. I'm going to look up ITP while you're sharing that. Yes. Um, and yeah, I never fainted before. And by that time, I was already thinking like, 
you know what uh, it's just like i'm tired this is what i should be doing and just you know trying to convince myself that everything was okay and my body was like well you don't want to listen to me f off i'm going to i'm going to speak up for myself and <laughs> started to reactivate everything so it is really just like you said is the attitude and it's also that we are willing to listen up and not because of money and this is this was the thing that upset me the most that the thing that i love about pro- as a professional which is money and finances was taking my health away i mean that really just upset me because i didn't went through everything that i went as a teenager just to you know mess it up because i was trying to chase a success that it wasn't my definition of success i wasn't living anything that i consider successful i was just being successful for somebody else's eyes yeah i always feel like there's always this like epiphany that everybody has and the fact that yours had to manifest literally so physically so i looked it up what well, itv so it's called immune thrombocytopenic something like that yeah something like that <laughs> yeah So at what point did you have to go on leave? I mean, first of all, like you, the fact that you were like, I'm doing finances, my parents do finances, I'm going to do finances. I love finances because you're writing freaking invoices as a kid as your playtime, which cracks me up. And then you're like, this is something that I love. And it's yet it's something that's now physically harming me. What do you do at that point? Like, are you, did you have to take a leave? Did you just like, I'm quitting? Like how, what, how do you, how do you even manage that? You know, it's not easy to get out of that situation because once you realize that you want to get out, it's kind of too late. It's never too late, but it's kind of too late to your eyes. So what happened was that I couldn't leave my job. I didn't want to leave my job because it, it I mean, I was working towards the progress of my region. I didn't want to leave that job. I just didn't want to continue making myself be somebody that I wasn't. It was not about the job. It was about my understanding, my relationship with money, my relationship with debt because there are two different things. You know, not really knowing the direction that I wanted to give to my money. Yes, I was working in finances. Yes, I was being finance manager for this organization. But nobody talks to me about my personal finances. I mean, I'm seeing money coming in and re- like all the income that I didn't have in my life before. And I see all these tools that were available for me to use. Why would I not use it? Why would I think about what I want if they are telling me I should be doing this? They were telling me if you are a person like as successful person as you are, as you seem to be, you should be having this. You should buy the new iPhone. You should buy those shoes. You should apply for the other credit card. I mean, what's your problem? It's all about the material. Exactly. Were you working in Colombia at the time? I was working here in the US. Yeah, the job was in the... um, in the US and like my life changed <laughs> completely. No, I mean, I want to hear it. Cause that's like, that's a, that's a very big 
culture shift, right? Yeah. Because you're in this, you're in your bubble and you're now you're like, not only just in a new country, you're experiencing probably things that you never experienced, even in Colombia, uh, I would imagine. And what was that? And we are very materialistic here in the United States. We're freaking like really materialistic. It's kind of sick, actually. I have, you know, four nephews and I would rather do experiences with them than mm. them stuff because like for Christmas, two of them need a new off, need a new chair for like school and stuff. So I bought them new chairs, like send them some office chairs, something that they need versus a new game for their whatever. And they didn't even ask for games or anything. So thankfully, but I would rather have experiences than spend stuff that they're going to just, that they're going to grow out of or going to throw away. They'll have other people to give those things to, right? <laughs> but only one Thea took him to the Padres Dodgers game and was there for 18 innings. <laughs> you see? <laughs> or 16 innings, not 18 innings, 16 innings. And it was a long ass game. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. I don't know how you guys do it. I can't. <laughs> so how is that transition moving from so, to the United States and trying to figure your way out in a whole new country? Yeah. So the thing is that before U.S., I won a scholarship to finish my degree in Spain. So I went from Colombia to Spain. You live in Spain now, see? Or no? But what's that? As if you've been in in Spain. Now no, I'm I'm here in, in the U.S. Okay, because earlier you said Spain, so I was like, wait, I thought she was yeah, in the. I'm, I live all, all over the places. You will hear me talking about <laughs> all over. Oh, yeah, all over. It's like I'm getting ready to leave soon as well. So, <laughs> um, but so before having this job, before having this breakthrough, was <laughs> um. I was living in Spain and I remember having this feeling of this is awesome, like living with freedom of doing the things that I wanted to do. I was studying. I didn't want to go back to Colombia. I truly didn't want to go back to Colombia because they robbed me pretty bad before leaving. So I kind of got traumatized and I was like, going back to Colombia? No, I don't want to go, mom. I'm sorry. I love you, but I don't want to. I don't want to go back. So I applied to different jobs and I got a job uh, in the U.S. And then it's when I come to the U.S. So I had already a little bit of that exposure to, you know, big cities, big economies and all that. And Yes, it was a different culture, but because I was surrounded by Latinos as well, it didn't feel that of a shift. Yes, it felt in terms of what we talk about of spending and buying and all this, but it didn't feel um, much of a, of a shift in my culture. However, what it really proved me was that I had to get closer to myself rather to what is what people is expecting me to do and that was one of the reasons why I took a different approach with personal finances because nobody during my career no like I have worked and I have studied with Wall Street people with different finance 
people around and nobody told me, hey, for you to take care of your money and be good with money in your personal life, you really have to take a look on what are your priorities? What is money to you? What is your relationship with money? More than how much I have on my bank account, really. So that was a big shift that I had to do and that I had to go through that process of coming here and having that breakdown because after the breakdown comes the breakthrough and then then realize that, wait, there is a way to do this that doesn't take my health away, doesn't take my fun away. Because that's when I started to think, okay, what is that Alejandra likes? What is it that she really wants? And turns out that I love to travel. So guess what we are going to do? We are going to start traveling more. We are going to start taking care of Alejandra first. And by doing that, my whole financial situation was in a completely different perspective. I pay off debt quicker than every like everybody will expect me to because the other part of this story is that yes, your income increased, but your debt increased <laughs> in a much bigger proportion. <laughs> so I started to do the things that I really wanted to do and to Put a mute button on the, you should be doing this. Why you are not, why are you not um, buying a house? Why are you not? Because that was for a long time. I had to deal with, why are you not buying a house? Why are you not staying in one place? Well, guess what? From all the love that I have for you, from people that will tell me this, it's not from your position to tell me what is that I want for my life. And then, then you see the results. Then you see how you feel confident with your money because you have money to do the things that you want to do for yourself. And of course, the whole financial education comes to play and it's important for you to know that why savings are important, why having an emergency funds are important, why if you are in a next level, investing is important, especially for us Latinas that have to, you know, create wealth for the next generations and to learn how to do that. Why is that important? But if you don't get clear on what you want for yourself, there is not going to be enough money in this world to please everybody else's Oh, (laughs) no, I mean, I want to touch on a couple of things that you like really hone in on a couple of things that you're saying. And like I said, I've recently gone through that a lot of stuff in September, I got laid off. COVID finally caught up to my job. And it was literally that when the day I got laid off was the day that they stopped giving the extra money for unemployment. So I didn't even get to have any of that extra money for unemployment. And I'd been saving money and I thought, oh, I'm in a good place. Like I have a, you know, a nice cushion. I have a few months rent. and But when you don't have money supplementing that, and it took a lot longer to find a job than I thought it was going to be. And I realized because it was now it's the right job, right? That money goes so quick. 
And I really got in a position where I had to ask for financial help. And it's a very humbling experience. I'm not quite ready to like go into all the details and share it with everybody, but it was whole, the wholeheartedly part of that breaking down. Like I was so positive, so positive, you know, but I, so when you're talking about having an emergency fund and having a savings account, that is absolutely necessary. And I think there's different ways to do that. And I want to get like, get into that. But also I like what you said, of you know, personal finances being personal, right? You have to know what is right for you. So when you start talking, like when you were talking to your friends, when you were starting to figure out what this plan was for you, can you talk about a couple of those things that when people ask you or when you were trying to figure it out yourself and creating kind of this, this plan, what were the things that were most important to you that you felt like was going to be vital into not only your success, but the success of other women, other Latinas, particularly Latinas, because we're the lowest paid demographic in the United States. So you're right. We have to build our own wealth. It's very, very important. And figuring out how to do that because nobody, oftentimes our parents aren't taught. And especially if your parents aren't, I know a lot, you know, like my parents aren't money people. They're not, you know, I'm even like telling them now, do you have a retirement account? Do you have this? Do you have that? Like, are you ready? Because both my parents are in their sixties. So where did you start when you started kind of creating this coming out of being sick again? And you're like, look, I need to create something for me. Where do you, where did you start? And where do you have people start when they're kind of assessing where they're at? Yeah. So there are different starting points there that I definitely had to go through myself. And that's what I teach people now too. And those different starting points are emotional, strategic, and mindset. There are three different things that at the end supports your journey in personal finances. So emotionally, it's heavy, the transformation, because especially for us Latinos, that we are so close that whatever our hermana, hermana, and our family really do think or believe, we do think or believe too. So pouring those emotional boundaries, it, it was a key for me because to me, it wasn't easy to stand up to my dad and say, I love you, dad, but that's not what I want for myself. I don't want to keep up with this. I can't keep up with this. And I know that it's not doing me any good. So speaking up and putting those emotional boundaries for the others and for yourself too. It's not just about the environment. It's about what you do to please the environment. That is very, very important. So allowing yourself to feel the feelings and then shift on what is it that you want to feel then. So you are feeling stress about money. Okay, now that you have felt that, what is it that you want to feel when it comes to money? I want to feel in abundance. That's what I want to feel. <laughs> exactly. And it's starting from that point and then how abundance looks for you. How confidence looks for you. Is it 
going out for your dinner with your partner like in a month like every once in a while or abundance looks having dinner at home with a cozy blanket now in winter with a good wine how does it look for you and how you want to feel and then address those feelings that, and put some boundaries because sometimes we believe people don't respect our boundaries but what really is is that we never have told them those boundaries so that was kind of the thing that happened with my family i thought but why do they want me to do this if i don't want to and my mom looked at me straight to my face and it was i didn't know you wanted me that how can i respect that if you didn't speak up Right. It's like, you know, that's so true in regards to like, nobody, we, we're not mind readers, right? Well, I mean, I'm sure maybe some people are, I'm not a mind reader. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so how can somebody know what that boundary is? If you never share it, if you never state it. And I like the fact that you're saying like, don't let, it's really ultimately about your emotional feeling with other people in regards to not allowing their emotions to dictate what you want. Correct. Exactly. So it's about, and, and I get a lot of people say, well, that's a bit selfish. It is not selfish. It is an act of self-love to take care of you Ooh, and your yes. financial well-being. It is not selfish. It is an act of self-love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cheers for that. Yes. Salute <laughs> to that. We need to take a drink. <laughs> so... That is the first step that I walk people through. And with that comes, okay, let's see what's your money story. How you understood money when you were little. Was it a lack? Was it a struggle? I have, I'm working right now with a lady that she described so beautiful how she understood money that we found out in two sessions why she continues just not being on debt, a massive debt, but having to swipe that credit card and stressing herself about it. It was because she is the oldest of five kids and she always had to take care of them. Mom and dad put pressure on her so she could take care of, of the brothers and sisters. And brothers and sisters are not doing as good as she is doing now. So she feels guilty about it because she was the one who supposed to be responsible for them. So what I do? Well, look at me. I'm also having debt. I'm at your self level. You, you don't have to look at me in other way. And that's a problem because there is a lot to heal there. There is a lot of self-healing that we have to do, but there is a lot of boundaries that we have to put and each person, each adult make their own decisions. And it's not your responsibility that they are not doing as well as maybe you are. Or you don't know that because you don't know the, the full story. You are just seeing that they are not doing well. So this emotional boundaries and this emotional baggage comes with a lot of stories that need to be addressed before you can do any strategic step. I am literally having little epiphanies as you're speaking <laughs> in regards to like why I got into the work that I got into. And I am the oldest as well. I'm the oldest of three. 
And I've always got into nonprofit, working with kids. My mom used to have a daycare when we were younger. I love working with kids, but I love working with community. I love feeling like what I do matters. And I was like, I think that's because when you're saying that, I was like, oh my gosh, I that's probably why I've always felt this need to be of service to others. And I never thought, literally, as you're talking, I'm like, wow. I'm literally having this epiphany. That's so crazy. <laughs> yes. And and that's the thing that we repeat. We repeat what we saw at home. From the age of zero to seven, we are subconscious walking around. <laughs> so we repeat, we repeat cycles and we repeat behaviors. And if those cycles and behaviors, and I, I want really to be very clear with this, you're cycles and behaviors are not wrong. They are not right or wrong. They are yours. But if they are no longer serving you to the point that you want to be, to be this better version of yourself or to accomplish this vision that you have for your life, then it's time to change. Then it becomes not useful for you. So what is the third thing that you were work with people on? Yes. You so, have to figure out yourself. Yeah. So after all that, then my finance background comes in um, with looking from all the strategies because there are thousand and one strategies that you can use. That is not just one way um, to make it work. There is not just one way to pay off debt. There is not just one way to um, create wealth for yourself. From all the strategies, which one is the one that is going to serve you? You, after you knowing what is your upbringing, you, after you knowing that you feel more shame than guilt, or you feel more appreciation than, you know, excitement about something, after you know yourself, then you can apply the strategies to reach one goal, one point. And this is particularly important because most of us, believe that having money, being good with money is just putting on a paper, restricting expenses, and let's just do it. Let's just do it because I need more money. I'm not telling you that's not going to work. It is going to work, but it's not a long-term thing. It's going to, your behavior and your mind is going to come back to the same exact point. And that's the reason why people that wins lottery they can barely make it to one year of having that money. It's just that you have to change from the level of your identity and then apply the right tools to do that. So yeah, that's that's everything that I do. And I had to do it myself. When I say I had to do it myself is because I knew from the A to the, the Z I know here is different, but the A to the Z, I had to, <laughs> I had to learn. I knew all the strategies. You want to, you know, do a cash flow, do a budget. I know how to do it. That's what I am as a professional. That's what I work in my daily life. But it didn't work with me. It didn't work because after three weeks of doing it, I will start crying until I fall asleep and say, why am I such a mess? Why did I take these decisions? I had to do this before and all this guilty and it's not going to allow you to move forward. And personal finances really are, I would say, not 80, but 60% of 
being you like you being successful with personal finances is knowing that you're going to make mistakes and that it's okay that you are going to go back on track tomorrow with a clear vision letting yourself feel getting triggered by something that happened letting yourself feel and then okay now i know that happened let me go and adjust my strategy thank you for saying that thank you for saying you're going to make mistakes and it's okay because i think so often we think oh man how am i going to recover from that or how oh, man like and it is so much of your of your mindset in regards to that so thank you for first of all for saying you're going to make mistakes because nobody's perfect and nobody's perfect when it comes to money and you know i think it's so important that when you do make a mistake you you acknowledge it right because the only way you get over a mistake is by acknowledging it and then saying what can i do to correct this next time otherwise then you'll continue to make the same thing over and over you talk about transforming your beliefs when it comes to money so i obviously i you know we were talking about limiting beliefs right what are the most common things that you hear in regards to whether it's yourself or other people you've worked with or just in general in regards to limiting beliefs and how do we start changing that mindset of of limiting ourselves and giving ourselves permission to maybe indulge in the things that we want to without feeling guilty or saying you know like figuring out some people and I was reading something in, in Yahoo Finance that you had commented on in regards to like the lattes. Well, some people want their lattes and it's okay. If that's important to you, that's important to you. That doesn't mean that everybody has to follow that, right? I feel like we do this one size fits all type of thing. But as you've said multiple times, personal finance is personal. You have to figure out what is important to you. So how do we start shifting and moving our limiting beliefs to more of an, I don't know, would you call it an abundance mindset or yeah. how, what would you call that? And how do you, how do we work through that? I love that you read the lattice because I was so passionate about that question. Why are you attacking the lattice? The lattice is not a problem. <laughs> but yeah, it really it starts by you addressing that you're not comfortable at the place that you are right now. Because if you say, oh, I'm okay, there is not going to be any progress because there is nothing to fix. If there's nothing to fix, you got to all figure it out. And that means that you don't have any limiting belief, right? But if you still, if, if you feel uncomfortable and you want more, then start addressing what that more, quote unquote, more means. But some of the common or general belief that we as a Latinos have because of our countries, the way that we grew up and because that our beliefs as a society is that money is a negative thing. Money is evil. Money is just for the rich people. They can have it and you cannot because you are a good person. Not everything is about money. Why are you thinking about money? These beliefs, negative beliefs around money that doesn't allow us to think about money as a tool or an object that we use to have things in life. And that's really something that we have to work on because once you start, you know, earning money, once you start, once you start wanting more money, 
your subconscious mind goes like, oh, you're being a bad person. Why are you thinking about that? How come you want more money? I mean, why? You're going to be a bad person. You're going to betray your family. And all these things come to the surface and that's a limiting belief. If you are wanting more and you come and realize, maybe I'm wrong by wanting more, then is a limiting belief. That's one of the biggest ones I see um, as a community. Let me just share something really quick. So my friend, yes. Pam, uh, she has a Cafe Con Pam podcast. I, lo- I love your podcast, Pam. <laughs> I'm a letter to. So we, we were on it and she was talking about her limiting beliefs in regards to doing stuff for herself. And she was talking about getting a pair of, like the newer pair of the... Um, the AirPods and you know, they're not cheap. And at first she was just like, Oh my gosh, that's so expensive. Blah, blah, blah. And she goes like, wait, I had to get hers. She's like, I had to get myself at that mindset of this is something that I'm going to use all the time. This is something like I work really hard. I deserve that. I'm not spending this money all the time. Like I deserve that. And I think we have to remember, like we are working hard. I need new clothes now for this new job. Right. I have not worn like professional type clothes in like four years. I haven't had to. I still have some, but I'm like, oh crap, I actually need to go out and buy some clothes. I would rather invest, even if I'm just buying like one thing a month, right? I would rather invest money in things that are going to last a long time and spend that $100 on a pair of pants that is going to last me several, several years, several seasons, several years. Versus going to Target, spending $20 on a pair of pants that are probably going to get a hole in it in the next six months and then have to throw them out, right? So I'm changing like my mindset in regards to that as well. It's like, no, I deserve it. No, I'm going to be using it. No, I'm going to... I'm not somebody who goes get lattes all the time because I freaking have an espresso machine. Yeah, You know how much money that saved me in lattes? <laughs> it might seem extravagant at first, but... If you have it a couple of years, man, you just saved all that money that you I yeah. would pay way more in lattes if I went out than just doing it at home. And they're freaking amazing, by the way, just so you know, they're so good. And so Nespresso, if you want to sponsor me, <laughs> here she is, Nespresso, come. <laughs> so then how do we change that? Yeah. Right. I think it's like every moment it's just, is it just you have to be, I'm guessing, I mean, for me, it's like trying to really be conscious of those things when I have those, those doubts or those limiting beliefs. So we really have to get used to seeing the value of the things for way, like for something beyond the money. Because money, we are used to putting the value of something like the money value, but not really thinking about what is going to bring to us. And that's the whole point of intentionality that I talk about all the time and that I go through my coaching and my programs, because what you said, you value more having something that is going to last you for a long time than buying something for now and have to change it later. And this is, this comes with two sides of the coin. One, that you are expressing yourself, I value more these things. But then you're act, when you're expressing yourself that, 
you may have somebody around you say, oh my gosh, why are you going to invest in that? No, 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 don't do that. And then you start doubting yourself, right? So there's two sides of the coin. By you recognizing what is the value beyond money, um, by you really getting clear on why you want that and not paying attention to anybody else around you. That's when things become not so personal about the personal finances. So I absolutely agree with you. That's the best way to deal with the inner voice that is always, um, you know, popping out like say, hey, why are you going to do that? But also healing is the biggest part of that journey because most of our is um, like the lack of money mindset scarcity mindset most of it comes from an inner child that didn't have something or couldn't accomplish something and now is wanting to do that and it's a lot of fears around and the best way that you can do is to heal that I know I'm uh, tapping with with Pam, it's really powerful because of that. Because you allow yourself to release, to calm your your nervous system down, and not just to shush that voice by saying, ah, "Whatever, I have money, I can do whatever I want." But really addressing, like, why are you feeling like you cannot invest in something that is valuable to you? Why is that? I was reading your blog and I want to read these 10 toxic money mindset quotes, keeping you broke and unhappy because these are really, really good. Um, the first one is money doesn't grow on trees. And I'm sure everybody's heard of that, right? I know my mom has said it to me, money is crunchy. <laughs> and you say money is everywhere, literally everywhere. There are crazy amounts of money in the world. And then yes, some people have more money than others. Yes, some people have to work to get where they are. But if you hold on to this mindset, you are subconsciously telling yourself that money is scarce when in reality, there is enough money to go around. Yes, girl. The next one you talk about is live your best life and that you can't live your best life if you don't know what that looks like. And if you don't believe it's possible, then all of the money in the world cannot help your dreams. Seriously, Alejandra, I'm like reading these and I'm just like, what? You're talking about the money, like money is the source of all evil. I'm sure we've all heard this quote, right? Yeah. And then you talk about, well, what about people who are donating money to charities? What about people that are making money to support their families comfortably and live their dreams? And you talk about money is just a tool. Attaching worth and judgment to it means that you're probably going to repel it from your life by accident. So this is all about manifestation at the same time. And then I love what the, okay, here's one that I think, we all, you know, I know what we've all, we've all heard this quote and we all kind of, I feel strive in some way to live this way. It's do what you love and never work a day in your life. So let me read what you say. Don't get me wrong. I love what I do. I get to coach female entrepreneurs through their money, fears, their limiting beliefs and live in complete abundance, no matter how much they have in their bank account, but I work for it. Can I help you might find a money purpose? Sure. I'm not saying everything is hard. I'm not saying that money should be difficult to make. But if you believe that you never have to work to do any work, even if you love your job, then you are going to be broke and or unhappy. That is such a good... I mean, I think it's different, right? Because you you may not feel like you're working hard. You yeah. know you're working hard, but you may not feel like 
the same type of feeling that you would feel if you're doing something that doesn't give you satisfaction and you don't love. I think that's the difference. When you love it, it doesn't feel like it doesn't drain you. It doesn't feel like you're giving yourself away when you love something so much. It almost becomes joyful and you know you're still working, but the work feels what you're exerting feels much different when you love what you do versus when you don't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And hard, that working hard, that work hard, it's very subjective. Yes. So I sometimes I wake up at six, I am to start working on my programs and I have these ideas and I go to bed very late, but that's not working hard for me because when I decide to take a rest, I just rest and I'm not thinking, oh, I'm not going to have money because I'm resting. That's the peace of mind that you should be having because there is enough money around the world. And when you know how to manage it, in a way that brings joy to your life, that enhances what you do. I mean, that's your confidence with it. That's that's when uh, you you know you do whatever you want. And if you follow me on Instagram or if you see anything of what I do, I travel a lot, and I get um, asked this question a lot: like, how do you do to travel so much? Why are you do like you ha- you must be rich? This is the, you must be rich. Yeah, you can do it because you have a lot of money. And with the time, I have taken so far away from my, from my lexical, from, from the way I speak is rich is not a word for me. There is people that knows how to manage their money for intentionally for things that they want. So you can see results. So mm-hmm. everybody else sees results. And there is people that tries to comply with those definition of success because if you don't know how to manage $1, chances are that you don't know how to manage $10,000 or $1,000. So it is not limiting yourself by the amount that you are seeing coming in right now. It's making the most out of that and knowing that that's just one step of your whole journey. That's just one step of your vision. And it's never too late, right? It's never too late to be able to shift your mindset, to learn how to work through it, to learn these things. I mean, I think so many of us probably have gone through our ups and downs in regards to our relationship with money, you know, how much money we're making, or you get laid off or you this or that. And I think you know, this whole experience that I was kind of been sharing has been very, very humbling to me because again, I had money saved up and I thought I was going to be okay. And having to get help in any way is really a hit to your, to one's ego. At least it was a hit to my ego, right. Of asking for help in any way, shape or form. But I think also when you need it, ask for it. You know, that, and, and if you're doing everything that you, then there's not shame. And I think we either put, we put so much emotional connection to money, feeling guilt or shame or feeling like some people feeling like they're so wonderful and they're too good because they do have an excess of money. But the difference is, I think the difference in regards to money is money gives you choices and it opens up the choices that you have based on your finances. So if you want more choices, you need to learn, you know, if you don't ever learn how to manage your money, you're limiting your choices. Mm. It's the first thing you can do. 
I will I will make a twist a little bit of what you just said because you have a lot of choices but by you not knowing how to manage your money you're limiting yourself to see those choices yeah absolutely i think it's so so important i think i love that the fact that you really want to educate latinas I, that you really you actually offer a like a very a lot of different things that people can can work with you on Um, do you want to talk about the different things that people can work with you on? Because I know you do one-on-one, you have challenges, there's different things. So what are the things that you offer in regards to being able, if somebody wants to reach out and to be able to work with you, to be able to manage their money better? Yeah, so I do, yeah, a couple of things. So my go-to right now is the F challenge financially prosperous challenge uh, that just gives you an approach if you are really in doubt of yourself and really going through i want to achieve one goal and i don't know if this is for me or not the fp challenge is the place to go right now because i'm gonna walk you through five days of coming from getting clear clear with your goals and then seeing how you are going to develop that path that you have to walk with your any financial goal or any goal that you have in in the financial aspects so financial prosperous challenge uh, it's really yeah if you want to take care of your your money in the new year or if you want to take care of your money have a massive transformation in a week within two weeks um the fp challenge is the place i also offer one-on-one coaching by application only i take limited spots like i take limited people because it is a transformation that requires a lot from both of us from you as a person that wants the transformation but also from my side to better guide how you can serve the things that you have been living and that now you are repeating so i take just a couple of people on 101 and if you want to work with me 101 go just to my website and say, submit the application and i also combined the coaching with a tool that is called human design so human design i love human design because it cuts out the crap uh like the excuses that we have description of that (laughs) yeah so it cuts out like it's really helpful for the coaching because when a person tells me oh no that's not me that's not how i do things that's not like that's not the um, the way I'm used to do the things. I come back to your chart and I tell you, okay, listen, I know there is some part of you that wants to believe that that belongs to you, but it's not really like that. And that is part of your money story. So let's work on that. So human design to figure out the blueprint with money. It's very good. I also do that. But from everything that I've told you today, what I really want you to take away is that you just need to start speaking up and reaching out to say, I don't feel very comfortable with the position that I am right now with my money. And just to start that conversation. My DMs are always open and it's a non-judgment zone that's very, very clear and 
across my all my social media and everything that I do, there is enough judgment in this world for things that money related. If you come to me and you decide to speak up, don't be afraid that I'm going to judge you for any decision because there is nothing to be judged about. There is just a future path that you can take and I'm there for you available. No, that's so good because I think so many people have that fear, right? We have such, we have this, this, like I said, there's this such fear around talking about money. In fact, I tried having this conversation last night with somebody and I, and he's like, we don't talk about money. I'm like, no, you should talk about money. Why? No. And like, we should be talking about, and it, and if, especially if you're dating, like you should be talking about money and you should be figuring out like, what is yeah. that person's mindset when it comes to money? Is that something because the number one thing that couples argue about and even get divorced about is money. So that should be one of the things that are part of your, like when you're dating and when you're getting to know somebody do your money mindsets match? Or can you even get to a place where they match? Because if they don't, as much as you love each other, that could be that could cause very big problems in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we are in a point that talking about our sexuality is more open than talking about money. <laughs> That's a, re- a real problem in relationships. But beyond that too, how can you have a conversation if money is not important to you? You have to start thinking what is important to you. And if money is important to you, not because you want to have more money or not want to have money, but because it be, it will bring you peace of mind throughout the years, that's a conversation that you should have or even start from all from a love space. Just start a conversation. Just See what the other one is looking up the most about money. What is the thought? What is the upbringing? Because once you are into it, I mean, I'm telling you from experience, once you are into it, you will start having excuses to justify that that mindset is that way. And okay, I can deal with that. So I have your next blog post. Your next blog post are the top five questions you should ask your partner when it comes to money. Oh my goodness. I love that. I love that. Well, let me do that first. <laughs> See how it goes. And then oh, I can post it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think that's that because I think people don't know how to have those conversations with their partner, right? It's very, it is very rough. So for me, even to ask like, so how much do you, I have no problem saying how much I make if somebody asks me because I'm trying to be more open and especially being Latina and being like in the position now that I am, it's very, very important that we say, yes, this is how much I'm making. Yes, I was offered this. I fought for this. This is what I'm now getting. This is, you know, like to continue the conversation forward. But even talking to people that we're getting to know and getting involved with, like that, that's very, very, I think people don't know how to talk about that. They don't know how to talk about that. They don't know how to talk about credit. I have no problem. Like, so what's your credit situation? If I'm going to get involved with you, what yeah. is the credit situation? <laughs> yes. And and even if you like, there is a steps, right? Even if you don't want to say, okay, I so do that on the first date. Yeah. So, so tell me about your credit. What's going on? Just ask about what are your expectations with money? Like, what is your vision with it? Because I'm telling you, if somebody doesn't give you a vision with it, 
chances are that that relationship with their money, it's not very good. <laughs> Let me ask you a question before we close out. Yeah. If people are in a relationship, do you suggest that they have they keep their finances separate or they are together or do you do a mix? Okay, I'll tell you how I do it because it is what works for me. It's going to be dependent on the people, right? But for me, it's important to have my joint account as well as my own account. That gives me peace of mind. That gives me confidence with my money. And that also gives my partner the ability to not feel like he's trespassing my boundaries. So we have a joint account and we have a, a, each one of us have their own accounts, but that's what works for me. It depends on who your partner is. And also that's why it's important to have this conversation before. <laughs> that's, it. that's why it's important. Yes. <laughs> that is so awesome. How can people reach out to you? Because, oh my gosh, this time just flew by. Oh God. How can people reach you on social media and your website? Well, your, your website is... Uh, alejandrar.com and go ahead and, and give your social media so people can reach you on social media as well. Yeah, so I'm, I'm mostly on Instagram. So just go on Instagram and you will find me at alejandrar underscore coach. And I'm pretty much every day, almost every time, <laughs> more time than I should be. <laughs> and we'll make sure to have your website and your Instagram links on our show notes as well. So people can go to the show notes and check that out. Alejandra, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you for sharing you. your journey. You look wonderful. So I hope you continue to, you know, live in health and happiness and, you know, that you're able to continue it to help many, many women that we're able to kind of get over this hurdle, right? Um, as women to be able to talk about these things and not feel shame and not feel guilt for the success that we're having or not, or the success maybe they're not, not having. Like I said, I'm just coming out of that season of feeling, em actually, I was feeling embarrassed. I was embarrassed because I'm like, I thought I would have a job by now and I'm having to have some help. I've run through my savings. It was a very humbling and embarrassing moment. And I say that to let other people know, like we all go through it. We all go through it. We all go through tough times. Don't be embarrassed. Like I'm sitting here telling the world that I'm coming out of a season of scarcity, right? And I knew it wasn't permanent. I knew I was going to find that thing. Thank goodness I have. But man, it was rough. And I'm not going to lie about that. And I don't think we should lie about that and shouldn't be embarrassed about that. So, Yeah. yeah and that's a um, topic for another podcast episode. The emotions that we go through with money. Clear, rough emotions that everybody has. Like even the multi-million, like multi-million person that you're looking at right now. goes through them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even Warren Buffy, even Jennifer Lopez, even I don't know, everybody goes through those those things. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, thank you so so much. And 
you know, we'll have to talk soon because I would that would be great to be able to talk about the emotions that talk about. Maybe we'll do an Instagram live on that. So that would be cool. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, Love so that. Stay tuned for possible Instagram live with Alejandra and talking about the emotions behind money. Until next time, mi gente. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Cheesemate on Instagram and at The Wine and Cheesemate Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Cheesemate, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more.